Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Well, hello and welcome to this very special episode of the Retail Transformation Show, episode 200. If this is your first time tuning in, then my name is Oliver Banks. I'm your host and I am a retail transformation specialist. I'm an advisor and a consultant and I work with retailers to help them define and deliver their transformation, understanding the ideal operating models, overcoming the barriers with change, keeping a watchful eye on programs and projects, and ultimately making positive transformation happen and succeed. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. And like I say, this is a bit of a momentous milestone, really. 200 episodes feels like a lot. (laughs) To help celebrate, as you may have seen on your podcast app, we have got a slightly updated, slightly fresher look and feel to the podcast. But of course, what will not be changing is the fact that I will continue to strive to deliver you bucket loads of golden nuggets. I'd like to give a quick shout out to all of the guests that I've had on. Thank you so much. And of course, thank you to you, the listener, for continuing to support, continuing to share and continuing to tune in every single week to this podcast. Thank you so much. Now, given it is episode 200, I was curious. I decided to work out how much podcast there is to listen to, so to speak. So not including this episode, up to now, you may be slightly surprised, I was, to find out there have been 5,591 minutes of Fantastic Retail Transformation Show episodes to tune into, which is about over 93 hours worth. Or if you are up for a bit of a mega binge session, then that is going to take you about four days straight with continual listening back to back, no break, (laughs) at which point you will be completely fed up with me and my voice. So perhaps best not to do that. But when you look at that sort of quantity of content and you say, well, roughly that would actually equate to about 500,000 words, half a million words, written words, which is probably about 10 business books or so. So I do hope that you will agree that there are loads of golden nuggets in there for you to discover And recently, I've been looking back over some of the past episodes and noticed something really rather interesting, which was the inspiration for today's episode. The challenges of nearly four years ago now, when this podcast started, this is late 2018, are really very similar to the challenges of today. Yes, of course, there are a couple of big changes and challenges, but it really got me thinking about trends or themes and how often the trends or themes really change. And then it made me realise that actually there are in retail and I'm sure in the wider business world as well, a whole series of what I'm going to call ever trends. These are trends or themes that continue to catch our attention. These are trends or themes that continue to provide opportunity. They continue to provide struggles as well, let's be honest. And so I wanted to define and explore what these ever trends of retail are and ask, 
Why are these ever trends? Why have we not just nailed these topics? And what's going to happen next? So there are eight ever trends that I'd like to explore today. And I would love to hear from you if you think there are other ever trends as well. Like I say, these are more retail specific, but I'm sure there are some bigger global ever trends as well. The show notes for today are over at obandco.uk slash 200. That's obandco.uk slash 200. And of course, you can sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing whilst you're over there to help keep your finger firmly on the pulse of the ever-evolving world of retail with key headlines from around the world, as well as insight and intel to keep you informed. So let's get into these ever trends, understanding them a bit more, think about why they are still considered a trend and have a little sneak peek at what's coming next for each. They're not in any particular order or ranking. So first up, we're going to dive into Omnichannel. Omnichannel has been a trend for probably at least a decade now, I'd say. And actually, if you were to rewind the clock, it all really started with multi-channel thinking, really with the advent of e-commerce and starting to see bricks and mortar retailers work across stores and websites. And then over time, that multi-channel thinking has developed into omni-channel and it doesn't feel like it's going to go away anytime soon. However, I would also argue that retail has been doing multi-channel and arguably omni-channel since before the advent of e-commerce. We just didn't realize that we had channels, whether it be home shopping and mail order shopping or catalog shopping or local deliveries. There were a huge number of different propositions in the retail world of yesteryear, which were omni-channel, right? But fast forward back to today, and there are so many different aspects about being the best omni-channel retailer. And actually, if you are interested in how to be the best omni-channel retailer, then you should go and listen to episode 176, by the way, entitled Being the Best Omni-Channel Retailer. So we dive into this whole topic and this whole theme and ever trend in much more detail. So episode 176. So Let's just think about why is Omnichannel still a trend, still a theme? Why have we not completed this just yet? Well, I would argue it's because our definition and our understanding of Omnichannel is continually evolving. You know, if we do rewind 10 years or so, when Omnichannel was beginning to emerge, it was this incredible idea where you could collect online orders from a store, or even if you're going totally pro, perhaps online orders could be fulfilled from stores and you could open up your stock offering. But again, back to today, that has evolved. Click and collect or BOPIS, however you want to call it, is fairly standard. It's table stakes omnichannel, right? But now we're really looking at how colleagues can connect with customers in an omnichannel way. For example, in-store colleagues supporting online customers, as well as factors around how do you open up stock in a visible way to all customers. And actually, technology has created and enabled greater unlocks to be able to integrate channels, whether it be around databases, whether it be around APIs, etc., etc. Lots of different ways. 
And as omnichannel thinking has been around for longer, this technology is more developed around the particular problems and opportunities that omnichannel has to offer. But the other reason why omnichannel is still a trend is that we've got new channels that continue to emerge, whether it be social media, whether it be live streaming or others as well. This continues to challenge us, continues to think about how can we integrate and connect and create this seamless customer journey. And of course, customer technology in terms of smartphones, etc., continues to evolve around that as well. So what's next for Omnichannel? Well, borrowing the idea from Carl Boutet, what we saw in the pandemic was a sneak peek into the future. And so having taken that sneak peek into the future, when it comes to Omnichannel, we need to be thinking about how we can take this and develop it further, how we can use modern communication methods to have better conversations, how we can develop better fulfillment options, how we can predict what will happen next so that we can get people and stock and other resources into the right place at the right time to be able to serve customers in the channel that they want to be served in. Steve Dennis has some fantastic thoughts about harmonized retail, as he calls it, in his great book, Remarkable Retail. And so if you are thinking about what's next for Omnichannel, definitely pick up a copy of that, as well as Carl Boutet's book as well, by the way, The Great Acceleration. Also, thinking about how Omnichannel will develop, I think we need to start thinking about multi-platforms integrating together, whether it be courier networks or brand or retail partners or marketplaces, both your own and third-party marketplaces like Amazon or eBay or Etsy. And increasingly, we'll also need to think about other platforms around resale, you know, for example, Depop. And I'm sure as we start to think about multi-platforms, someone will have the great idea of calling it omni-platform, but that's for another day. But also, as the metaverse continues to pick up pace, we can think of the current time as almost a multiverse. You have different metaverses, whether it be roadblocks or whatever. But then what happens when we start to connect these? What happens when you can start to take your metaverse avatar from one metaverse to another? Is it the omniverse, omnichannel across multiple universes? Who knows? But whatever happens next, omnichannel is going to be an ever trend for the foreseeable future as we continue to connect with customers however they want to shop. The second big ever trend is sustainability. Now, this has really been building pace for a number of years now. And again, probably longer than you realize. But right now, sustainability is evolving into not just environmental sustainability, but also social aspects of sustainability, workers' rights, ethics, and so on. And even environmental sustainability has many different aspects, whether it be around water usage, carbon, energy, etc. And of course, if you ask why is sustainability an ever trend, then I'd probably say that saving our planet is kind of important. I hope you would agree. <laughs> and we have, as I say, been trying to change this for years, for years and years and years. You know, if you rewind several decades, we were talking about stopping littering our planet, really with a view of not destroying it, not upsetting it. And actually, since the advent of plastic and consumerism, we have been making this a bigger and bigger challenge for 
a number of years. And sustainability offers lots of different arguments and contradictions. I explored this topic in episode 66, an episode called Profit versus Planet. And that was about three years ago now. But what's happened is that we've really had recognition from the industry now that something has to change. And I'm delighted to start seeing more and more sustainability, although of course we do need to watch out for greenwashing, etc. So what's next from a sustainability angle? Well, I think there's going to be some major investment in R&D, whether it be around product development, whether it be around new materials, new manufacturing processes, new supply chain and logistics solutions, all aimed at boosting sustainability, all aimed at reducing the amount of resources we use, as well as reusing and recycling. And ultimately, I suspect this whole sustainability challenge is likely to need more people, more resources, more time than we expect. So it's important to dive into this and start understanding it now before it is too late. Our next ever trend is the customer. Now, perhaps you may take this ever trend for granted. Perhaps you already think or know that you are customer focused. Everyone does, by the way. Everyone thinks they are customer focused and increasingly customer obsessed as well. And as such, customer experience is always a consideration. But whether it is being taken seriously is a whole nother matter. NPS, for example, perhaps the most widely used metric to measure experience can so often be gamed. How many times have you been asked, please rate us and please rate us as a 10 because anything else is a failure. It's like, what? (laughs) I'll rate you how I want to rate you. Thank you very much. And actually, does it matter? Is it just about giving yourself a little pat on the back? Is it telling us what we need to know to be able to develop the customer experience? Are we able to really obsess over the customer or are we obsessing over a slightly better NPS score this period? But increasingly, customer centricity is a super important factor too to start to think about how your business will really drive customer experience where customer centricity is about thinking customer first. It's about acting customer first rather than the experience itself. And if you're looking to find out more about customer centricity, then I would recommend Martin Newman's book, called The Power of Customer Experience. But if we just step back and think, why is this an ever trend? Because we know that the customer is always right. We know that the customer is king or queen. And actually, we've had customer focus driven and almost originated by people like Harry Gordon Selfridge, who transformed thinking about the customer around 100 years ago. So what's next for thinking about the customer and putting the customer first? Well, there will be a continued focus on how to get the entire organization aligned around what the customer needs and wants, becoming customer centric, if you will. But we also must not forget that the basics of customer service are still vitally important. You can focus on this before you get all super ninja with advanced strategies and you're going to get much more bang for buck by really focusing on the simple aspects, what customers expect and tackling the frustrations is still a massive opportunity to think about and go after. And you can find much more in episode 94 
called Find and Fix Customer Frustrations. And by the way, lots of recommendations for other episodes to listen to from the rest of the catalogue. In today's episode, if you are looking for the full list of all these episodes, then head over to the show notes at obandco.uk slash 200. My aim, my personal aim for this podcast is always to make episodes timeless such that you can rewind the clock almost four years and go back and listen to episodes that are still relevant. There are a couple of episodes which in particular are about COVID, which are probably not so relevant as the world evolves. But for the vast, vast, vast majority of them, absolutely, they should be timeless. You should be able to go back to them and find those golden nuggets if you haven't already, or perhaps rediscover them if you haven't listened to these episodes for a little while. The fourth ever trend that I wanted to explore is the colleague. Now, in the last episode, episode 199, I was talking with Nikki Baird about the role of store colleagues and in particular the changing role that they play. But managing and looking after your colleagues continues to be a challenge. There are lots of things to think about, whether it's avoiding burnout, whether it is about minimising the impact of customer violence or navigating the digitalization and modernization of the store or enabling and training in new tools or making sure that you've got an available workforce and getting that recruit versus retain balance right. There are so many different aspects. And ultimately, if you ask why, I have to revert back to the quote that I've heard many companies say around people are our greatest asset. So we do need to think about how do we look after our greatest asset. The front line in retail are essential. That was officially confirmed during the pandemic, of course. And retail is a labour-heavy industry. Lots of different parts of the operating model need people to do something, to move something, to decide something. And whilst I have no doubt that people will continue to be important, it's also worthwhile to ask and think about how are people going to be used? How is that going to change? especially as technology develops, whether it be around warehouse robotics, moving stock, whether it be around automating repetitive tasks, whether it be around removing checkouts through checkout free stores or self-checkout options. You know, the role of the colleague continues to change and continues to evolve, especially as Omnichannel develops as well. And with that, what the role is changes and what you can do to be the most attractive employer in your space also changes as well. And there are new demands and continually developing demands for employers as well. For example, flexibility. How can you create flexible, desirable roles that allow for childcare or care of the elderly or further learning or fitting life in around work? Or should that be fitting work in around life? I'll let you decide. But colleagues absolutely are an ever trend in retail. Ever trend number five is around purpose. In my view, purpose really grew ever since Simon Sinek did his classic TED talk back in 2009, telling us to start with why. But purpose has had many other forms in the past whether it be around vision and mission, or as I say, asking why. Now, these are subtly different, 
But ultimately, what all of these things are about are trying to align the whole company behind one banner, one message, one direction, and something slightly more interesting than a sales number or a profit number. And I loved talking to James Bolly in episode 101 as we talked about why have a purpose and how to find it. So go and check that one out as well. And really, purpose is an ever trend because it is very closely linked to our own individual wishes to be part of something bigger. And I suppose it spurs down from what is the meaning of life? But perhaps that is a bigger question for another day and another episode. <laughs> so we'll leave that one there. But what is next for purpose? Well, we touched on sustainability earlier, and I think there'll be a greater focus on ESG factors, especially as younger consumers and a younger workforce start to demand that all companies, retailers included, step up and stop just being the proverbial capitalist machine to make money. So I think we'll start to see more messaging around purpose and bringing it into all parts of the organisation. OKRs is another element linked to purpose, if that is your overall objective, depending on how you use OKRs, of course. But again, OKRs is something that I see more and more companies starting to use, starting to talk about. And I think that's going to be a factor as well. But unfortunately, as purpose increases, I think there'll be more focus on purpose washing, a bit like greenwashing, saying something that's all nice and fluffy, but not actually living by that purpose. And just like we have started to see companies being pulled up for sustainability credentials that don't quite add up, I think we'll also start to see questions being asked of companies that say one thing and do another. Next up, data. We've been generating more and more data, collecting hundreds and thousands of numbers and data points about customers, about shopping behavior, about supply chain, about performance, about websites. And there are more aspects that are coming out connected to data, whether it be around privacy or visibility or traceability. So data isn't going anywhere. And insight has been a major driver, something we all strive for seemingly all of the time. What's the insight about this? What's the insight about that? And actually, there is this three-step process of data to insight to action, which is widely recognized, of course. Thinking about how you can use your data to take action. And taking action, in my view, is a way of changing the future positively based on the past. But why is data an ever-trend? Well, I touched on it just a moment ago. The digitalization of life and of retail means that we're collecting more and more data about the retail industry and about the shopping behaviours than ever before. And, you know, the, the volume of data provides its own challenge. What do I do with it? How do I link it to the rest of the business? How do I draw conclusions from it? And that's why it's not going anywhere. But what's next when it comes to data? Well, I would ask, do we know that we're drawing the right insight, useful insight? And are we taking the right action, useful action. And I kind of have to say, probably not, but we don't really know. So I would suggest thinking back to that model of data to insight to action, let's just use a few more words to really explain that a little bit more. The data is being mined from one 
or several sources and needs to be connected and cleaned to form a data set that can be analysed to form interesting and intriguing insights. Tell us things we don't know. And we also have to assume that the data is representative of the past and is representative of what will continue to happen in the future. We are almost assuming the future is a linear projection of the past. It's a key aspect in modelling. So we are speculating around what the future is. And the action stage is our way of saying, we think we can predict the future and we'd like to optimise it. And here is what we think is the best thing to do to positively influence it in our direction. However, I would suggest that the next major step in data is to say, we have to recognise that it is a loop. So there has to be a retrospective view. So it's not just taking that action, but look back. Was the action the right action to take? Did it move the needle? Was it positive for you? Did it change the future? Because if it didn't change the future, arguably that action was a waste of time or you took the wrong action. So I think we'll need to start getting a lot deeper into thinking about that data to insight to action, back to data loop. <laughs> and I would heartily encourage you to listen to Ian Shepherd, who joined me on episode 120, talking about understanding data and data science, and also his book, The Average is Always Wrong. A cracking read if you are looking to learn more about this topic. Evertrend 7, simplification. Now, sometimes this is referred to as business efficiency or cost saving. And that's why this is an evertrend, really. There are always ways to improve processes, always ways to do things better. You know, and simplification and efficiency and cost saving goes around in cycles, which is connected and linked to the global and financial markets. When you think about why is this an evertrend, I would suggest that we think about the phrase, a rising tide lifts all boats. When times are good, everything improves, everything eases. Now, of course, a rising tide does not actually lift all boats because there are always some businesses that will continue to struggle. Perhaps the rising tide comes up and shows you where the holes in the boats are. But keeping with this slightly nebulous analogy for just a moment, the high tide of the good times obscures the ugly and craggy rocks in the water. So as the tide declines, we need to be careful that we don't get shipwrecked or beach ourselves on these rocks and obstacles. And so as the global and local financial markets go in cycles, so does this ever trend of simplification. So what's next? Well, given the financial challenges of right now, 2022, there will be some short-term efficiency options to save cost. And as technology continues to develop, we'll continue to see simplification around processes, around data, which will continue as well. And for a little extra listening, I'd encourage you to check out episode 141, number 141, with Simon Heddo, and we were talking about simplification isn't rocket science. And then finally, the final ever trend is transformation. Now, I did not say digital transformation, because I believe that digital transformation as a term leads us down the wrong path. It gets us thinking about the technology or the digital aspect as the most important factor. And actually, 
The reality is many different projects now include an aspect of digital tools or systems. It's been a little while since I saw a new paper process, right? <laughs> and I would encourage you to think that transformation is far broader than just the technology, just the digital side. There are people aspects, culture aspects, process, procedure and policy considerations, and maybe even thinking about changes to business models and operating models. You see, if you start to think about digital transformation, I think you're closing your mind off and those around you to those other factors. So I'd encourage you when you're thinking about this ever trend to just think about transformation, not digital transformation, please. And I guess we then have to ask, why is this a trend? Transformation is hard. Transformation is enormous. There are lots of moving parts, lots of interactions. It's multifaceted and probably cross-functional, requiring alignment and collaboration and understanding. It's complex as a result of all of these different factors. And you throw that in with the uncertainty of what is happening in the outside world and arguably the instability of the present as well. So it's hard to get a signal about how you're doing, what's coming, where are you? We've got technology that has been a factor in driving transformation as we've got new data sources coming through, new solutions in place. But it's not only technology because we've also seen a number of different consumer and customer driven changes as well as wider business change as well. And ultimately, transformation is an ever trend because the world continues to evolve. Something I explored in episode 150 called the ever evolving world of retail. So we, and I mean we either at an individual level, a company level or the entire retail industry need to be ready to evolve, ready to change, ready to transform alongside customers, alongside colleagues and alongside the market as well. And it won't come as any surprise that I love transformation, right? I love going on that journey, supporting retailers, working directly with retailers to help them understand the ever evolving world, to help them define the operating model that will succeed going forward and put that in place. So as we think about what's next for transformation, we need to remember to focus on blending incremental and fundamental transformation, both optimizing and reinventing the company at the same time. By doing this, we can take a mix of risks to drive the business forward. And ultimately, we're seeing more and more companies expanding on multiple fronts in the fiercely competitive market, where ultimately consumers dictate the rules of engagement and consumers are also changing the terrain mid-battle. Or if you're not so fond of the whole battle and war analogy, perhaps a less confrontational analogy is that consumers create the treasure map and decide to adjust the route and the terrain as you go. And transformation is, of course, our main aim here on the podcast. So if you are interested in learning more about the ever trend of transformation, then listen to everything up to now and episodes that continue to come out every single Monday going forward. You know, the aim of the podcast is to provide insight, ideas and inspiration. My aim is to make episodes timeless such that you can go back into the archives, find a useful episode and learn, pick up those golden nuggets, take action ultimately. So if you have not already done so, make sure you 
hit subscribe in your favourite podcast app. And please rate and review the podcast. And most importantly, tell your friends, tell your colleagues, or share your favourite episodes on social media. I love hearing your thoughts, your takeaways, and which golden nuggets you found most useful. So those are our eight ever trends. But I would like to mention a special mention to two relatively new trends that could easily become ever trends. And they could be one and the same for that matter as well. We'll have to see how it evolves. But the two additional special mentions are flexibility and resilience. Now, initially, both of these have been around the supply chain, but I suspect flexibility and resilience will continue to expand bigger than just that functional area. But when you step back from all of these ever trends, you realise that they are the ever trend because they are all ever evolving. They are not just a one time target. They expand, they develop, they morph. And with that, our thinking needs to expand and develop and evolve. Our operating models need to develop to become modern, to become future fit. And I personally believe that all companies can change, no matter the challenges in front of them. I believe it's never over till it's over, right? But change and transformation does need to be a conscious choice. Change doesn't happen by chance. And so if you are looking for help to maximise your chance to change, then reach out. I'd love to work with you. I'd love to advise you. I'd love to help coach you and your team to define the ideal operating model, define the roadmap and bring it all together and make that positive change happen. Do reach out. My email is oliver.banks at obandco.uk. That's oliver.banks at obandco.uk. There have been loads of episodes to listen to next, so I'm going to make sure to put them all on the show notes today at obandco.uk slash 200. So head over there and dive deep into those archives. Tell me what golden nuggets you have enjoyed most from the last 200 episodes now and make sure you continue to listen going forward. I appreciate you more than ever before. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for continuing to change and transform our ever-evolving world of retail. Until the next one, I'll see you soon. Bye.